Welcome to Nerdy Stuff. My name is Adam and next to me is... I'm Jules and today I'm going to be talking about barcades and uh, adult entertainment in general. My name is Emil. I'll be talking about D&D and D&D shows. And I'm Tim. I'll be talking about DC's Black Label and the Batman Damned miniseries. Also, Emil's our guest for today. Hi Go guys. Yes. Welcome Emil. Welcome to the show. Thanks guys. Um, and my name is Adam and I'm going to be talking about video game adaptations um, for classic board games. Um, so I'll start things off. I bought a Switch recently. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations to me. Congrats. I've been saying this for years now. I yeah. kind of thought you would have gotten one like day one. But, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I'm surprised. Okay. Like at least when Pokemon got released. Yeah. We've anyway. we talked about that already. Um, so I'm looking through the catalog of games. Right? Yes. And Monopoly. I think Monopoly is on it. Yeah. Yes. And I'm going, why does Monopoly need to exist on the Switch? On the Switch. Oh. Uh, of all things. Um, Monopoly is, you know, your traditional board game where you yep. play with the family and everyone just hates each other at the end. Yeah. That's, that's the Monopoly we love. It always takes way too long. Get bored like 20 minutes in. Yeah. Yep. This is not the Monopoly just I life. played. Yeah. What, what, what are <laughs> you playing? <laughs> you had fun playing Monopoly? <laughs> I memorized the base rent value of every single property Get on the board. Get out of here. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going Monopoly. Because I also remember Monopoly being like other... Yeah, like devices as well. Yeah, to be fair, it's been they've been digitizing Monopoly for yeah. as long as yeah. games. And have I also been know that there's like digitized. There's an Uno game on mobile or some shit now. Yep. Um, so my question is, does a video game adaptation of a classic board game have the same effect? Mm. Absolutely me, not. I, I like, if I that's your question, then I can <laughs> just say yeah. categorically I I, no. Like, but um, it's why? interesting. <laughs> To, so I don't know if you've heard of Tabletop Simulator, mm, yes. which is actually a platform that like right. you can get, you can get this, you can buy it on Steam, play it and put it on your PC, right? But what it is, is a platform with which uh, you can bring in essentially what amount to mods, which are actual board games in boxes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So like... Um, you can lay out all the cards, all the pieces. It's like it gives you a 3D rendered image of a tabletop. Yeah. And then you can see everyone's mouse cursors as little hands going over the table. So you can see what other people are sort of trying to click on and, and look at. And and it tries to recreate the feel as much as possible of... And I, I believe you can play it in VR as well. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's one way that that games are being digitized to be as much like the real board game experience, yep. but without as much of the hassle, right? Because you can click a button and just say initial setup mm-hmm. um, rather than having to pull out all the pieces. Yeah, I think it kind of like out. devalues it's that intimate kind of like, mm. you know, like you're there in the moment and all that stuff, like the yeah. physical kind of... Yeah, edge, mm. which, which, is, which is why like board games have become yeah. popular again, I think. Um, that complete yeah. convenience. The whole, yeah. the whole getting like getting playing together games. in a room with your yeah. friends and in person. I think yeah. we need those excuses nowadays, anyway, right? Totally. I mean, um, and look, yeah, like uh, we were saying, the the feel is definitely different. Um, but I think it, it becomes something different as well. Um, the uh, the virtual one compared to the online one, especially um, to the in person one, especially when the actual board game designers bring the application to the table tabletop sim is a decent platform uh but you know you are relying on the community to make these expansions for it it's true and um most of them do work great but you know it's so much better when there's a whole ui around it and everything and yeah when it's when it's been specifically designed for 
and and based off that game, yeah. Mm, exactly. Right. What interests me as a concept is uh, a bit like Hearthstone, right? Is a is a virtual card game that right. never had a precedent as a tabletop card game. That's true. I'm interested if it's ever going to be. But Blizzard did have a card game for Warcraft back in the day, if you remember. I do not remember that. When WoW was still a big thing, World of Warcraft, they had their own card game. Right. Which is which has been discontinued now. I'm not surprised. Um, but what I imagine <laughs> is that became what we know as Hearthstone. I see. Okay, well, yeah, that's interesting. It wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that, possible. That sounds, sounds right. There yeah. do, do, do exist games that uh, were made specifically only... Card games were made with only online... Uh, mm. um, virtual platforms in yeah. mind and the um the the question i guess in my mind is would you be able to do that successfully for a ball game right because there's benefits to these card games uh like hearthstone uh has the uh, benefit of being able to do randomization to um to a, a greater effect right? right so there's certain effects that can happen in the game yeah. that a computer will be better at performing than it would be to try and do it physically with the cards in hand. That's true. That's true. But then That's true. if you go back, like, did everyone play Yu-Gi-Oh back in the day? Yeah. Oh, yes. There was van- there was I, I did not, yeah. but I understand. There was, there was randomization <laughs> in that as well, and then that got digitized. Mm. Um, so you can go either way. You can go forward or backwards. We got, we got yeah. which okay, so, talking about. so then this leads me to the question. So there's, there's a clear monetization strategy for these yep. online mm. card games, right? Like you buy the Magic the Gathering and then you might buy booster packs in the same way that you would buy booster packs for the actual Magic the Gathering yeah. cards. Um, when you're digitizing something like Monopoly... You can't really expand yeah. it unless they're selling well, different themes. With, with Monopoly, like, like the board itself is pretty big. Imagine looking at the board on your tiny phone or yes. or the Switch, unless you're playing it on a TV. Well, it, it feels like the yeah. user interface would seem kind of weird. Yeah. So you've got that, but also like once they've sold the game, they can't sell more of the yeah. game. I can, I, yeah. I, unless which they're is, selling you know, Simpsons which Monopoly is the, which themes is the, or something, you know, like... Which well, the issue with, you know, board games, that's their business model. You, you, you sell a game and that's it, unless you're adding well, stuff to it eventually. Yes, yeah, you, no. get, you get expansion packs for board games exactly. nowadays, definitely. But, but like, when we're talking about classic board games... Well, yes. It's a, it's a completely different kettle of fish, because they were never designed around expansions. No. Yeah. yeah, monetization was different altogether then anyway. Yeah, like, totally. The idea of selling DLC was uh, thankfully. You imagine like playing chess with DLCs. Oh my! Oh. Right. Can <laughs> there I, you go. Can I get my pay to win? Pay like to win second. Pay. Here's here's <laughs> your queen for five dollars. Yeah, yeah. I want my super queen. The standard queen can only move three spaces. <laughs> <laughs> if you want it to move all the way across the board, oh. you've got to sense a block. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Every time you need to move a space. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the state of the industry. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, which is what we're in right now, but... <laughs> but, uh, I mean, does it surprise you that there's a market for these sort of games? I mean, because when I, and as I said, legitimately an avid fan of Monopoly, when I was, uh, as soon as I got access to the internet, I looked up ways to play it online. Wow. Um, because I was deeply dissatisfied with the competition my fans. <laughs> <laughs> I need to beat <laughs> other people at this. Lord. I need to beat other people at Monopoly. Um, you are the guy who's <laughs> keeping Monopoly in business. Absolutely. You're the reason Monopoly has very, a Monopoly very, in Monopoly. Yep, very first person to search it up on the internet. They're like, oh, my God, look. <laughs> first, the first sign of activity in 20 years. 
And look, I <laughs> mean, it was definitely not the same as playing it with my family. Mm. Um, but I mean, just a part of me wanted to, you know, be in that uh, more, right? It's so, like um, it's like the people who do. Because uh, I had a friend in high school who, for some reason, got obsessed with playing online Yu-Gi-Oh ah, competitions. Yes. Yeah, he got like really good. He'd go to competitions out in the city and stuff, and like, I don't, I'm pretty sure they did it all digitally. Right, not yeah. a physical. Well, I used to go to I used to go to Yu-Gi-Oh competitions, like yeah. in person with my cards. No kidding. Yeah. Mm. I never won. I, I never I won any of them. Ask. But hey. <laughs> do you think it's gonna? What do you guys think of the chances are that, like a lot of other things, do you think the digital will take eventually, completely take over the physical? No, I, I don't no. think so. No? Not not for new board yeah. games, and um, mm. like I think. Um, like newer generations. It's interesting in. because now now. We're in a place where, firstly, I think a lot of uh, board games that are designed now are probably um, prototyped digitally. Mm. So in development, they're not building the cards because that's cost inefficient, right? So they're not building the pieces and not making everything. But they probably are using something like Tabletop Simulator to sort of um, try and get an idea of whether the game works or not mechanically. Um and running the numbers and all that stuff um, to, to see how circumstances work, balance work and out to yeah. do balance, right? So um, I think definitely, and, and, and you do see with a lot of board game launches, um, there's usually a digital version of it is not too far behind. Yeah. For for a, at the very least, that infrastructure already there. Exactly. Yeah. For a ver- at the very least, for the mobile platform and probably for PC and other platforms as well. So, um, and honestly, I don't think within the board game community, those digital versions are more popular than the physical versions. Yeah. Like, board game is love pieces. Even card games. They love they love playing on a table. And yeah. card games and all that yeah. stuff. Because remember yeah. when Cards, Cards Against Humanities came out like a few years back? That was so yes. big. Yes, it was um, huge. Now it's, People, you know, it's died down a bit. There's, there's a couple yes. expansions that have been released. Um, is there a digital version? I don't know. Ooh. Has anyone heard? I probably is. There's actually like a, a pretty big sort of, what do you call it? Like, not, like there's, there's a sort of side market of independent people who are not attached to the board game makers just creating digital versions of board games right. or, um, or digital interfaces for yeah. some of the clumsier yeah. parts of I would, I would say like fan-made fan made stuff. Fan-made yeah. stuff, yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of that yeah. out there, so there's probably something like that for cards, but I don't think... Uh, cards Against Humanity. Yeah. But I don't think there's an official Cards Against Humanity app mm. that you can get to play the game digitally. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole way it was designed seems to be such a party-centric yeah. sort of idea. It would seem strange everyone pull out your phones and do this, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're not, you don't have that yeah. community feel. Yeah, when absolutely. You're, yeah. Even if you were in the same room, it probably wouldn't feel the same. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think uh, probably that's why board games will resist in their physical presence for much longer than you might expect compared to other things yeah. that yeah. give way to digital. Because I think people really like that experience. It's not about playing the game sometimes even. It's about the company that you're having yeah. in doing so. Um, and I mean, for now, where we are, I think you know we, we would still need to physically be there to really yeah. feel that connection. That may change. But it's, uh, it, it seems unlikely 
mainly, and it's funny. It's a funny thing, right? Because the economics of it doesn't make sense because board games are expensive to to produce and to ship and manufacture and all that stuff. Whereas, like, if they if it was all digital, everything would go on the Google Play Store, a series of works, send it in, it gets downloaded. Um, and but like you know like and and a board game for a consumer like even a cheap one is at least sixty Australian dollars. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yes. not they're not cheap things to. And own. it takes up real estate. And it takes up space <laughs> in, your, it does. in your house. It does. Like there are all these reasons for it not to be a thing, and yet it's a thing. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw you and me at one stage. You had a suitcase with the board games. Was that, was that you or someone else? I'm sh- uh, no, you you are thinking of someone else, yeah. and I know who okay. it is. I just. Uh, doesn't come yep. to mind. Um, um, but people with suitcases of board games are a thing. Mm. Ah, yes. It, w- it was on uh, one of our retreats yep. um, when we went away for a weekend. Yep. And it was like a, you know. playing board games. Yeah, exactly. It was like a whole, you know, like a mess hall of, uh, of an odd 50, 40 yep. people. Each one, you know, cordoned off into their own, like, huge yep. session of whatever nonsense. Um, yeah, that's a great vibe. Mm. Um, I do wonder if with the evolution of VR... Will we see that be a substitute? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. VR is making big strides this year, um, but I still like it's 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 not it's not an experience that I I would like to do in VR. Yeah, playing Monopoly in VR. Oh god, a lot of it is because like. And it's not every board game. Not every board game is is sort of uses the same sort of mechanics. But a lot of what makes a board game fun, or at least the memorable moments, are the times when you look across the table at someone and notice that they've realised something. You know, like they've got something in their hand, or the situation has changed in such a way that they've realised they can do something that they couldn't do before. And and like that moment of like. Holy shit. Holy shit. Do they try to simulate something's that about to happen. Or well, no, in tabletop no. simulator you don't like, you don't even this have this person's done this move. You've got an avatar, okay. right? Like you've got a, 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 a just a PNG image of whatever you've chosen to, to represent your face. And even that is optional. So you don't see a person You got the display picture across the table. Yeah, exactly. Just notification after notification. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, that's obviously not no. currently a good substitute. Yeah. yeah. What I'm also wondering is if um, tabletop cafes uh, are gonna be yeah. any more popular because I mean that is something that well I mean I've been to a few and it exists here. I haven't really seen them um, much overseas. Um, but then again, that I've only been to Japan in the last while, so maybe that's just Japan. Maybe, it's not yeah. unlikely. I've um, been to a few here. Actually, I've only been to the one. Oh, no, there, there are two here in the city. In Melbourne, yeah. And I've been to. They but they're also like, even just in regular bars and cafes, it's it's sort of That's a low-cost way for them to add, add to the appeal. Of the oh, you place. say that. But just have the a one, shelf with some board games. The one um, nearby to where we are now um, was just come and play board games and then the cafe aspect is secondary. Right. Right. While what you're saying is, oh, it's a cafe as yep. its primary business, then yep. board games. And, and like, they're, they're not, like, currently you might expect to find a Jenga set. And, oh, yeah. And yeah. Like oh, yeah. A Scrabble set and maybe a chessboard or something Connect like that. Connect 4. Connect 4 is a big Which is one. Just some really old, dusty box. Yeah. But, but they're not that dusty because people take them down and yeah. use them, right? Like, <laughs> it's, it's, 
missing pieces and stuff. They're worn out, yeah. That's they've the definitely come one, from yeah. a Savers or yeah. an op shop or something. Oh, they haven't bought them new. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a part of the general sort of uh, vibe of the environment is that board games are sort of back and, and like you can expect to find them in all sorts of weird places. Yep. Um, My uni. Yeah. <laughs> Every uni. Every uni. Back in the day. Um, board game collectors do a thing? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure, I, I feel like I've mentioned this on the podcast before. There's someone out there who is a Monopoly collector. <laughs> yeah. Because there sure are so many different that. themed editions of Monopoly. And I don't know who's buying, like, um, I don't know, Game of Thrones Monopoly, but they're out there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Look, know. I wouldn't say no to, like, a classic vintage edition of Monopoly. Yeah. I could use that. Like a really. Um, a really nice, like everything's carved out of wood, and, and yes, wow, everything's exactly. pristine. Yeah, these and, things exist. And it's based in the only true place Monopoly can be based, England. I'll That's have true. none of this Westeros. <laughs> <in that sense. laughs> like I can, I haven't seen this yet, but I have heard stories of like people taking their like Monopoly sets and getting it signed from I don't know, God knows who. <laughs> what? It's it's like not, not Monopoly, but like in, indie board games. Right, oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that works, I suppose. There, there are actually celebrity board game makers now. Really? True. Like, there are names on board, on the, on, the, on the case of a board game that you look at and you go, oh, oh this guy usually makes pretty good games. I yeah. think I'll, I'll get this one, next yep. one. Absolutely. And people get hyped for the new releases. That's the number European, huh? Like yeah. a lot of board games kind yeah, of definitely. come out of Europe. Yeah. Come out of Europe? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What um? What are the thoughts while we're talking about video game adaptations? Not strictly of tabletop simulators or anything, but actual original story based, usually whatever video game adaptations based on like the concepts of the video game, okay. of the board games themselves. Like, mm. for example, there was Call of Cthulhu like last year, right. based on the actual tabletop, not the story by H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft. Huh. There's Cyberpunk 2077 coming out. What's that based on? True. Uh, Cyberpunk. Yeah, so there's a role-playing system called yeah. Cyberpunk. Yeah. That was an old role-playing tabletop game in, like in, the, in the 80s, I think. Yeah. And they're making an entire expansive... What RPG I learned was Tom Hanks was in a movie that's loosely based off D&D, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know, that's actually news to me. I, I uh, didn't know about about that, that connection even yeah. for 2077. Um, I think that's probably got a better chance of being more acclaimed just yeah. because yeah. if you're willing to separate Well, here's the yourself. thing, okay. So the, there, there are the movies that are based on role-playing systems, which is what you're sort of leaning towards. But then there's like Battleships, which was based on an actual board game. Well, not a role-playing system. I completely forgot about that. Right? So... So that they they squeeze a narrative into a game that has no narrative. Yeah, <laughs> that made it about yeah. aliens. I don't know. Who was in that? Rihanna. Rihanna was in that. <laughs> Rihanna was in this film. Yes. Wow. I'm missing so out. These things are happening. Yeah. <laughs> Hasbro's like, we need to make Battlefield popular again. Battleship. Battleship. We need to sell. We need to sell a board of battleships that has Rihanna's face on it. How do we do that? Let's make a movie. Battleships, the movie edition. <laughs> oh, exactly. boy. I'm sure it's out there. Look. What about that Guess Who game? How'd they do that? <laughs> I can see that well, going no. so well. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, wait. So, wait. So, wait. Okay. Guess okay. Who? Wasn't that loosely... Is that loosely based off an Agatha Christie book? 
So really? then there were none? Dude. Oh, is it? Or was, that, or was it backwards? That's fucking no. Was, no, it'd no. Be, it'd be surprised if no. it was, actually. I, that's fascinating. I feel like the uh, first one was would be more accurate, but even then, that's a really fucking ridiculous like, idea. Coincidence, much? So funny. Um, I, so my favorite way to play Guess Who is like, because I usually play against, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I'd play Guess Who and it'd be really difficult and like, it'd be a lot of fun. But like, as an adult, if you're playing, especially if you're playing against a small child, it's not necessarily that entertaining because like, um, you just know what things are going to cut off as many, like what, what features you can ask about. So I generally like, now it's a game of like, you ask a question based on like their mental health or their state of mind or something. That's so, very dark. Which, yeah, it is. That's, that's a lot of fun. That's pretty good, actually. So does, did your guy have a bad night sleep last night? And then, like, does it's a judgment call between. <laughs> it makes it way more entertaining. Uh, I, can, I can imagine that well. Next time I play Guess Who, I'm going to ask that. I'm not even going to ask hair colour anything. I'm going to go, no. so do they have yeah. yeah. Do they have autism? <laughs> is, is, uh, uh, what? Is, are they? Did they recently go through a breakup? Yeah. <laughs> What's their relationship like with their father? Have they uh, seen a straitjacket yeah. before? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or even something like, are they angry at the person? Are they unemployed? <laughs> <laughs> are they employed? Oh, that's a good one. What's their social security? <laughs> I mean, it has to be a yes or no question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do they have a social security number? <laughs> nah, man, this man's been off. This guy's taking Roy off the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This guy doesn't have a social security number for Roy. Uh, all right, we'll move on to Emil. Your topic for today. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean... Um, in, in the same world as many of the board games we've discussed um, exists a D&D. Uh, for those of you who don't know what D&D is, it's a role-playing tabletop game of sorts where one person acts as the game master directing a narrative and uh, the uh, other players uh, have classes and roles that they uh, play in the world different abilities, and together they uh, adventure through many a different uh, dungeon and whatnot. Um, and uh, it's become quite popular in the last few years. Um, now, I understand that you guys haven't yet to experience I haven't played it. Nope. I've had a few sessions. Yep. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, uh, it's, it's actually become quite accessible nowadays. Um, I don't know, how, Julian, when you played it, how, how was that done? So um, I can go through, like my first sort of exposure to D&D was actually a digitized narrative because um, um, TSR, I'm not sure who they... When they were still around? When they were still a thing before Wizards of the Coast sort okay. of swooped in and, and ah, bought yes. everything. There, there were some like, and this is old, old, old school gaming legend like so i think the first one was called pool of radiance and it's like it's ega so it's like 256 colors like really that's pretty old. like yeah 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 but like these are and oh so one of the things that was like because there wasn't enough space on a data disc at the time um you had these massive adventure logbooks and then periodically in the game it's a, um, 
um, you meet this character, read the adventure log number 56. (laughs) So you'd have to flip through this book and go, oh, okay, so this is what they're saying to us. Um, So that was the sort of first sort of uh, experience of playing Dungeons & Dragons, learning about the classes and how it all works. Um, And obviously it's not the same because uh, like this game didn't have AI. It was just a story. It was mm. basically a, a glorified uh, text adventure with some combat. Nice. Um, so, um, you, yeah, I, I, I didn't necessarily know about Dungeon Masters and how, like, the interactions and stuff worked until I got into D&D, you know, as a teenager in high school. Some of my friends were, were into it. I uh, played a couple of sessions there. Like the actual and then Of the actual, yeah. And that would have been third edition, something oh. thereabouts. Mm. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then none of it for, for years and years and years until literally last year I started back into it. Um, got really excited about it. that was what, the fifth edition now? Yeah, now we're into fifth yeah. edition, um, which is probably like the most successful, the... Um, of the, the editions, the yeah. Dungeons and Dragons has ever been. Yeah, I didn't, like just very coming clean and before easy. coming in today. I knew nothing about D and I just knew it existed. Um, sure. I knew like it was an infinite game. You just make up your stuff as you go along. Um, but looking at the history of D and D, I'm like, wow, these like that's a lot going on here for something that's been going on since what the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 74. You got like it was originally chain chain mail, chain chain something. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like yeah mail order sort of. You, you couldn't buy it in a yeah. store, like the first Dungeons & Dragons edition. I, I don't think there are many out there anymore. Like I think they literally, Gary Gargax went to a, a print shop and printed out editions for people to, to buy. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a little while until it actually became... Yeah, until it actually became, you know, a product you could that was published in a book. Mm. Not until advanced Dungeons and Dragons, I'm pretty sure. So I'm curious as to um, if uh, Nada, Tim, or Adam have played. What your understanding of of it is? Like, what what do you uh, visualize or do you picture happening? Well, in like session? I'm thinking, because I've never actually seen a session being played. Mm. The only thing that's remotely close to a session is that future arm episode. Yeah. Right. Yes, I always figure that. Um, where you know people take a roll, they roll a dice, and they build their own adventure based on mm. what Dungeon Master creates. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they gain stats and they gain and they die yeah. based yeah. on rolling the dice. Yeah, I think like you know like these like it's this complex law world building kind of like thing. Um, what's the dice called again? The D20? D20. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, just, you know... It's a 20 tied dice. Got a pair yep. of that. Got a pair of that. Like, people with logbooks and shit keeping track of everything. You got the dungeon master at the head of it. Yeah. Orchestrating the thing. If you don't have someone... it's It, it seems like you'd need a really good imaginative, creati- creative kind of storyteller mm. as a dungeon master. If you have someone yep. with, like, no real imagination, I feel like it's going <laughs> to fall flat on its ass really easily. Absolutely. So, so uh, quite often, like, there are, there are, like, a, a few dozen sort of pre-packaged... Um, adventures that that a dungeon master might be able to take you out on. Uh, they also do homebrew ones, but actually the pre-packaged <laughs> ones are pretty good. In that I've, I've got I thought it was one. always. I didn't know that there was that option. I thought you had to just make it up. No, 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 no. Yeah. So, so the pre-packaged ones do a good job of sort of laying out rather than just these are the things that are, that need to happen. 
it's just there's, there's suggestive sort of suggestions of yeah. like here's what they might encounter in this area yeah. and then if they make this sort of decision here's what 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 else could happen as a follow-on or like if they don't make that decision there's no consequence and stuff like that um so it's it's quite interesting to read through um just a, a sort of um one of the pre-packaged ventures um but like what's become very popular especially from a Twitch streaming sort of standpoint oh, right. is, is homebrewed adventures that the Dungeon Masters have actually created entire worlds around the sort of same core set of principles that Dungeon Dungeons and Dragons sort of is built off of, but like just branching off in their own sort of unique directions. Um, yeah, so the big one nowadays is Critical Role. Mm-hmm. Um, which features a lot of famous voice actors from animation from the animation world. Um, uh, we should have done the pre-research, but uh, Travis Willingham is is in it, and Laura Bailey, and Matthew Mercer. Matthew Mercer is the dungeon master. Yep. Um, and they're they're characters that have voiced. You know, many, the Hulk yep. and like yeah. many, many things, and like yep. many other all Thor all and, those and Naughty Dog games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got um, um, Ashley Johnson from... Oh, even more Naughty Dog stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, from Last, La, Last of Us. Technically, Laura Bailey's in more Naughty Dog right. games. Lately. Right. But anyway. Right. But, yeah. And so with this team of creatives, they're, they're very good at sort of improvising around yeah. um, and using, you know, their their talents to, to create worlds and stories. And, and Matthew Mercer in particular is fantastic. Mm. He's such a good dungeon master. Um, but yeah, so... You know, you know, if you were to go and and like find a group in your area, you probably wouldn't have that experience. You'd more likely have a prepackaged adventure, which is fine. Um, and there's so much room for creativity around that as well. Um, but but like you know, it's it's the the popular culture and the popular sort of image of what D&D is has definitely changed in the last couple of years. Absolutely. Um, because, I mean, look, in its early days, D&D was even vilified quite Absolutely. openly. What do they call it? Right? The yeah, Satanic Plague? I forgot about that. I, yeah. I, I actually, yeah, I knew about that years ago. But the like Devil's now, Board Game. Reading about it now, like today, I just completely, I'm like, uh, I, I don't know, I just love things that cause such... So, like societal pandemonium, yes. yeah. <laughs> getting accused of Satanism and stuff. I'm well, I mean, like the accusations aren't without merit, just because a lot of the times the the characters are fighting demons, and like in the source books, yeah. you page through and it's just demon after demon after demon. <laughs> Which I was told in the fifth edition that aren't that many demons now. Probably not. No, there there are different sort of categories of, mm. of enemies that they they might draw from. Rather Absolutely. than just <laughs> so. But, yeah, yeah from, from those days, it's come an incredibly long yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, you know, f- you know, for a while it just it lost that stigma uh, at the very least, but never really gained a huge amount of traction. Right. Um, and then... It was very underground. Like, it was very sort of... You wouldn't you wouldn't talk about it on a podcast for sure. Playing, Do you know uh, what I mean? Like playing in your mum's basement. Yeah. 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 And then and and that's that old school well. nerd culture. Yeah, oh, yeah, old school nerd culture. Like a, a lot of that old like yeah, you can you can think of, you know, the the early video games in a similar yeah. sort of light. They, Comics as well. They weren't right. They weren't appreciated as part of any sort of mainstream culture, yeah. but 
Yeah, I mean, back in, uh, I think it was around 2013, 2014, I started, I started to see a, f a couple of YouTube channels come out with um, some stream shows. Um, but I think none were more popular than Critical Role right. swiftly became. Um, and I think it, it uniquely does that because of the fact that all of the players and even the Dungeon Master have a background in acting. Specifically, voice acting is what they're known for, yeah. right? Um, but also, there's a lot of talents that they picked up while uh, growing up as actors, becoming voice actors, that they will then use in these uh, role-playing sessions. And um, it actually adds this whole entertainment facet that you mm. know previously wasn't really conceived, I think, about D&D. Yeah. &D. Um, and yeah, you, you wouldn't have thought of it as a spectator. No, absolutely. Thing. Um, I, I always kind of knew about D&D, &D, like, for the longest time. I don't know. I've always kind of put it up there with as, like, one of those, like, a bit underground, yeah. It's kind of always in the background, but, like, one of those, like, well-respected pieces of, like, fantasy media. Okay. Like, right, I'd kind of put it up there as, like, I don't know, kind of like almost with Lord of the Rings, really, in terms of yeah. its like influence. Well, no, yeah. a lot of like a lot of D and D stuff was influenced through the Tolkien yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one of my favorite things is there's a there's a race in Dungeons and Dragons called halflings. The only reason they called half they they are hobbits. Yes. So they called halflings because the <laughs> they couldn't sued. get the rights. Well, I think they were. <laughs> they were called hobbits at one stage. Probably and in the early version. The Tolkien company goes. The Tolkien estate was like, well, that's that's our. Yeah. <laughs> you can't that use hobbits. That is our word. <laughs> mm. Man. Um, but yeah, definitely it's and this is a thing nowadays because um, Dungeons and Dragons, as much as it was in the background and 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 sort of an underground sort of part of the nerd sphere, it it had incredible influence, and you see it in things like Warcraft and World of Warcraft, and because their sort of image of what an orc is. Is very much. Did we not have an image of what an orc was? Well, there was or there were orcs in Lord of the Rings, but like even in the, the very different. Version, yeah, the Urukai are, are just not what you would. They're not the big, green, ugly sort of thing with tusks that you right. that you see in World of Warcraft. So um, it's definitely our fantasy landscape that we look at. Um, nowadays has definitely been probably more informed by Dungeons and Dragons than by anything visually. else. Visually, mm. absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, which you know, um, and and even mechanically in terms of gameplay, like the concept of leveling up is something that probably began with Dungeons and Dragons, where like when you have enough experience points, you gain and levels and and you gain in abilities and skills and and, and your stats and go up by like intelligence stamina the idea of stats going up is is a very dnd sort of yeah. thing yeah and that happens in almost every game now <laughs> you yeah. know what yeah. i mean like spider-man 2 has sort of progression <laughs> you know in some ways so um it's almost inescapable the influence that dungeons and dragons has had over video games and games in general it's very true yeah but um you know, it's it's with good reason, right? I mean, you, you watch all these people play it as well. Um, what I found particularly interesting about it is the way a lot of these shows will explore it as a, a narrative tool. Mm. So where obviously it's also very enjoyable just for the mechanics of playing the game, 
Um, it can be very, very en en entrancing as a storytelling uh, vessel, and especially when yeah. you have actors behind it, because you know it can give more yeah. dimension to all of these characters and the places. Um, but I mean, each D and D show that you see can take a very different approach to it. I mean, so Critical Role is obviously a lot of voice actors, so there's going to be uh, definitely that playing into the way they have their sessions. A lot of it is, um, I think Critical Role has a good middle ground of entertainment, but also, you know, uh, a bit of the thrill, a bit of the intrigue, right? Yeah. And the um, tension that comes from rolling a dice and not knowing whether it's going to succeed or fail. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then there'll be other shows that uh, will use it maybe almost exclusively as a comedic vessel, which you could do as mm -hmm. well. Um, you could just have your character do extremely out there things, you know, and roll for success and, you know, uh, just riff off of what the failure or the success is. Uh, so there's a show like that called uh, Second Best, I think. It's uh, five or four uh, improv actors in uh, uh, New York or L.A. who just do that, um, mostly in live shows, I believe. Um, there's even Wizards of the Coast who uh, own the IP of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, they have their own one, uh, ran by one of the people who writes the law for D&D. Um, but, um, you know, there's all these different facets to it. And it actually, um, I think it's inspired a lot of people to start their own yeah. home campaigns as well. Definitely I'm one of them. Yeah, 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 I do that. <laughs> um, but also, like... Yeah, it's interesting that you frame it as a storytelling device. Like it's a medium. Mm. It's a medium rather than, um, you know, just a game. It's 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 almost it's like theater, but with random chance involved. You know, it's mm. improv theater with random chance, which is great. I think that's that's a great way to think about it. Um, I did hear of one podcast. I haven't heard it properly, and I don't remember its name. But like, they they. Play as a team of bards. I think there are three players who are bards, and bards in Dungeons and Dragons are musicians who can do magic with their music. But like the the whole gimmick of this podcast is that whenever they say they're going to play a song, they're all musicians. Like the players themselves are actual musicians, so they actually write a song and play it for the podcast. And like you can do things like that with this medium. It's really great. It's 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 fascinating. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And then, obviously, also there's um, there's this whole uh, slew of uh, dungeon masters becoming very much in demand now. Uh, so people who, as you mentioned, Tim, would need to be very creative in order to actually hold people's engagement, right? Uh, now can actually find work doing so. Um, yeah, and, and be paid. Yeah. I think I think we yeah. mentioned this before. Like some guys getting paid five hundred bucks a night to be a five hundred to yeah. be a DM, US. Crazy. Yeah. You know, and I mean, a session will run for a few hours at most, so it's very good value for money if you want to look at it that yeah. way. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's um, it's a whole uh, new prolific market that Wizards of the Coast didn't really expect. Um, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's worth worth watching. I think or worth getting into just just to yeah. Even if you never taste. play, even if you never plan on playing. Um, it, there are a few, like, definitely check out Critical Role at the very least because um, they do a very good job of, of making it very entertaining while also using the rule set that's in front of them. Yep. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, and moving on from that, like, my topic of conversation was um, barcades. Well, I started thinking about this idea of the barcade, right? Um, and I thought what was interesting to me about it is that if you haven't, if you haven't been to a barcade, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's, it's a place that's a halfway point between or, or a combination of a bar and an arcade, as you might expect. So there are, there are arcade cabinets, sometimes there are old school consoles in there and you can go up to the bar and buy yourself a beer or, or a cocktail. Usually that's somewhat themed in some sort of um, gamer, um, you know, like you can get a mana potion or something like that. Yeah. It's got alcohol in it. All right. So, um, and I was thinking like, it's interesting now because... I don't actually think this is necessarily a new thing. I actually think the idea of doing something fun while also drinking is not at all new. Um, and like to point to an earlier generation's example, a bowling alley is basically this um, in some ways because bowling is a simple sort of sport, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But... Um, but like it's it's you know traditionally you would go have a drink and so it's a lot more commercialized in a sense uh, in some ways yeah. yes but also um, you know like I was thinking about this idea of like combining something you might do as a child or or you might have done when you were a kid and then uh, doing it as an adult and drinking and and like making a night out of it yeah um, in a busy bar sort of situation. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess if I have a question is like, is this a bad thing or a good thing? Or have, have you guys been to one of these places? I've been what to a think? few. Like, so in Melbourne, we've got um, Bar Twanica, we've got Beta Bar, which doesn't exist anymore. They closed down about a, a month ago now. So yeah, we a had few, Beta Bar, yeah. Yeah, we did few, have. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got Archie Brothers and we've got Pixel Alley. Um, I've been to Bar yeah. Twanica and Beta Bar. Um, and there are like the funny thing that I have also seen uh, outside of the CBD is like I think the Inkerman in St Kilda has it's it's been a pub for years right, right. Mm. but now the back room instead of being pokies it's got arcade cabinets in it yeah huh. and they've got a brand uh, new arcade yeah it's, yeah it's they're just shifting like I've got I don't know depending on which one you go to some of them um, are free you can play the games for free mm. right um, but I'll, like. Others are like your traditional arcades. You have to throw in a two dollar coin and then you start playing the games, or, or you buy a game card, like a yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's one of those things where you know it sounds it sounds great on paper, but um, it's really expensive. It is, That's especially true, like yeah. those older games that are really hard, and you just Battle keep toads. yeah. Which you have to keep you know traditionally speaking, you have to keep putting so in quarters. But w- one of the interesting things is it usually is older games. Like they we're not talking about. Um, Galactic Circus and, no. and like the Flashes. We're talking about like it's usually old the pinball machines and the original Capcom versus Street Fighter and like Pinnies. GoldenEye. GoldenEye might be on the N64. Yeah. Yep. Old yep. Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers ah, and Mario best. Kart. Yeah. And, and um, but like yeah, you wouldn't see a PlayStation Four in there. No. You wouldn't see no. an Xbox. Mm. You know. Well, Beta Bar when it was still active had. You know, had the newer stuff there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you look at Bartronica and, and Pixie Alley, these are really old machines. Yeah. Hmm. Like, 
Well, I mean, you know, I think the older ones might get appeal across more generations. Yeah. They're less inaccessible to like, yeah. say, a regular. That's true, that's yeah. True. So it's, you know, just another way really for like them to market themselves. It's like, oh, we've got this. Yeah. Yeah. And you um, get a sense of who they're trying to attract as well. Yeah. 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 So nerds of the sort of mid-20s, late-30s generation. I, um, I, yeah, I'm interested by your, your question of um, is it, you know, uh, is it a bad thing that these two activities, which we typically associate with yeah. very different age brackets, are coming together? But I wonder if that's just a symptom of people growing up. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, that's sort of my diagnosis, but I think, like, my problem with it is that if I'm out for a night of drinks and I just want to catch up and hang out with my friends, hmm. I'm going to get very distracted very quickly by and very drunk. all the activities yeah. that are going on on screens around me. Like, it's bad enough in a sports bar when there's a game on. I don't even care about soccer, but I'll watch it because yeah. there are just things moving there on the screen. It's, all, it's yeah. there. constantly fixated <laughs> like, upon you. Yeah. You know, and if it's like, if there's yeah. a Mario Kart going on and there's an like, oh, shit, up yeah. to be the next player, yeah. then, you know, I'm not necessarily going to be hanging out talking to my yeah. mates. Well, I think that's, that's just the audience that's there. Like, if you want to, like, go off and do that specific thing and not worry about the distraction, there's plenty of normal bars. I mean, just, <laughs> that's like, true. You know, like they're they're you know, not really. So it's on me. They're not taking over the. Yeah, they're not taking over the market. There's probably like what, probably ten percent of these barcades, like you know, the ratio is probably pretty pretty, pretty overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd be surprised if it was even that much. Yeah, it's yeah, a generous. Not even. But do you think they're like, like as, you know, as we get older, are these barcades going to be more mainstream? I think they'll be more yeah. more and more prevalent. Yeah, yeah for sure. Because I know that in Japan, they were a really big thing for a while and then it became and it a whole fell le- off. it fell off because like legally you, they couldn't do it they didn't have oh. license oh. to commercialize these games in a public space right so, so Nintendo yeah. came in and was yeah. like you yeah. not, please don't put a Nintendo 64 yeah. in, uh, in your right. bar yeah. 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 Nintendo. it's such a Nintendo thing yeah. to do <laughs> do they have any do they have Nintendo at these barcades? Some of them do. Yeah, Bartronic yeah. has got Nintendo 64. Oh, we're probably there. so far off the map. They're not exactly. Going to yeah. <laughs> I think we can get away with it half of a continent yeah. away. Get sound the podcast and Nintendo executives like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> hey, Nintendo listens to us. Hey. There you go. <laughs> I'd be pretty flattered. I'm wondering if we'll see this uh, evolve with... Um, VR arcades as well. Right. I mean, oh, how yeah. much worse is that? That sounds get? very dangerous. Set up, I mean, like, yeah. Set up <laughs> other rooms entirely. Yeah, then you got you still got all the glass well, and everything. All the, the thing is that the next, this generation of VR that's coming out has a camera on it, so you can do a, a, oh, yeah. a better pass through. through. You yeah. can do a pass through. So, so you'll be able to see what's around you. You can yeah. have a drink. Yeah. It's just you make sure you put it down when you get Very back in the game. <laughs> Drinking in VR. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I want to do that now. Yeah. I'll play, play Resident Evil 7 VR. Oh, <laughs> drunk. Amazing. I can't even play that game sober. You want to play it drunk? Oh, yeah. Well, Jesus. Look, what's the worst? Um, I'm going right? to set up a night for it at some point. So oh, well, man. I'll keep you in mind, Adam. <laughs> I, I, I won't come. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't mind it. It's, it's good for a night out, but I wouldn't go exclusively to barcades. Yeah. You know, it's good for a gimmick, I think. Totally. But it's like, I, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, like it's much more niche than say regular, regular bars or sports bars, which do the exact same thing with like slot machines and pokies and mm, stuff like that. Yeah. Where yeah. We're a lot more desensitized and that's like considered the norm. Do you know, like there's, 
I'm sure you guys have seen this, like in a sports bar which has like TAB betting, so mm-hmm. you can you can bet on sports events. Yeah, they've got like digitized horse yeah, races. They do. Yeah. Yep. So oh weird. yeah, 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 yeah. I find that just really strange and creepy. And like, how is that not rigged? <laughs> Wait, you so know, it's like, like the, the same way. Though. It's like the same way we have, you know, um, digital roulette and stuff like that. They've got the stats yeah. for all these horses. They just, you know, throw them in a simulator. Yeah, you know? but I mean, it's so weird though. Well, see, this is hyper opening to me because I just thought those were virtu- virtual representations of a game going on somewhere. No, no, no it's, it's just that's the whole thing. Completely fake. My lord. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Why no. would they do that to well, us? Like, <laughs> the, the stats are there. They're and they're, and they're super like uncanny valley horses. Too. Yeah. Like, oh God. <laughs> they're, they're, can you see all the pi- you see right. the pixels and everything? Yeah. And mm. but like they're they're almost good enough, but the lighting's wrong or something like that. It's just <laughs> yeah, not quite yeah. right. There's no depth <laughs> in it. It's all like yeah. flat. Ugh. Far too flat. Uh, anyway, I find that weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I find that way more weird than having a Nintendo. In, like, could you, like, how does, how does that conversation start? Where, like, hey, Julian, do you want to go to a bar tonight and play Goldeneye? I mean, right. I mean yeah, that, does, that, does that sound natural or like? No, but like, you might good. go, hey, check out this. There's a new barcade opening around the corner. Do you want to check it out? Yeah. Or, see, or like, yeah. even I've been to this place a few times. Do you want to go have a drink and maybe. Play Smash Bros. Play Smash Brothers. <laughs> well, conversely, but, but like, how is that different to inviting your mates over that's and true. saying, "I'm, I'm gonna, so, I'm gonna have a I've six got, pack. Do you yeah. want to? Yeah. Do you want to try? There's true. just more strangers around you. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it, which is which is fun. Which might also be, you know, some way for nerds to sort of meet new people as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, yeah. if you play, if you destroy someone in Smash Brothers, you might buy them a drink afterwards that's, and say, "Hey, that sounds pretty or fun." They buy, or they buy you a drink. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that would work. I don't know. That sounds like the weirdest pickup line. Yeah, exactly. Beat you, buy me. Whoever whoever wins this is going to buy the other person. Or get, uh, yeah. get bored a drink. I, don't know. I yeah. should really go check out one of these gamer bars because, like, I have a very, I have a very vivid memory of um when I was studying music. Uh, my uni, they'd always be holding any event, usually at the same goddamn bar. Which got uh-huh. really annoying. Yeah. It's, on, it's on Brunswick Street. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but I, just, I remember sitting there and every single time, like, uh, there's like a back room right before you enter the the actual band room. And um, it had a uh, kind of seating along the wall and like right next to it, like around it, was a Pac-Man, like a, oh, yeah. like a Pac-Man game, like top down. Like pretty much oh, like yeah, yeah, basically yeah. a table pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I've seen these. Got the, yeah, got the sticks and everything, the joysticks yeah, and everything. Yeah, that, that goes well. Yeah. Like they've been doing and that And I was like, shit, time. yeah. And I was like getting ready to play. And I'm like, has anyone got any coins? And like I finally got a <laughs> coin. Cause you had to pay, of course. Yeah. yeah. And I got in there and then it turns out they actually, um, they must have sold it at shut or something. Because you couldn't actually play it at all. I was yeah, like, they what use that the? as a table. Yeah, what? I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got me every single time. I'd always like. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I'd, I'd always. Uh, I've seen him playable. Definition of I insanity. I think there's a burger joint that does that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, so disappointing. There's tables. That's it's ridiculous. the most. It's the biggest fuck yeah. you. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, like I remember. You got the machine in. You don't. You don't like money. Like what? <laughs> <the hell? laughs> I, I will pay you for, for exactly. me to play this game. <laughs> That's a lost opportunity, there, guys. Uh, Total um, loss. But there's a huge generational gap as well. Like when, like I, I remember I went Just to set um, decorating. Uh, I think it was like some restaurant or cafe that had one of these Pac-Man tables. Um, mm. My my cousin's like fourteen or something, and 
It was touching the screen. Yeah. <laughs> That'll happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, this is what I'm saying is that we're the generation that understands how these things work. Yeah. The next generation will have their own thing. That For sure. They'll have their VR arcades or something. You know, like no something no more physical buttons. But yeah. conversely, I think, um, I don't know if there's even a word for it, but like board game bars, yeah. I think are more prolific. They're yeah. coming out. Yeah, yeah, um, Just because, cool. yeah, that... Like you said, when you're lining up for Marika, you may be less engaged, but when you're around a table playing yeah. a, a board game, you might be more engaged. Just let's put this out there right now. Let's open up a cafe. Uh huh. <laughs> no, no, I've got an idea as well, but you, you right. go. We open up a bar arcade for the next generation yep. and we call it Touch Bar. <laughs> <laughs> that will go so down so well. For a few years before for that yeah. idea to come around. But anyway, my so here's my one, okay, right? Okay. You guys ready? This yeah. is mind blowing. Mm. You're going to love it. Lego bar. Oh. Get drunk and build shit. Now you got me. Yeah, You're not I, allowed to take I, your shoes off. I can already see the lawsuit <laughs> regardless. On. Which one? No. Is it a licensing? Both, it, really. It can be Touch like... Touch bar in the toilets. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and that. yours just in general. <laughs> well, it won't... Hey, well, no, we can pitch Lego, that to Legoland. No, they're not going to be into it. <laughs> You've tried. It, it's going to be a generic brick building, but we're going to use Lego. Julian, <laughs> exactly. Julian sent an offhand email one day bar. like... While drunk. <laughs> yeah. Brick bar. Ooh. Brick bar. Brick bar. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Totally Get drunk and build shit. Oh. Yep. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's topic. Yep. So um, Batman Damned has just recently, oh, I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, released its third and final issue for the miniseries after many delays, um, announcing as their, their debut title for DC's Black Label. Right. Um, I know some of you guys have read part of it, not all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on what you thought so of the story. What the is the whole deal with the black label? Black label. I like, did a what, bit of, what is the elevator pitch? I did a bit of reading for it. It is basically like Vertigo in many ways, except rather than... They shut down Vertigo, though. <laughs> they did shut down Vertigo, and I'll forever be depressed Why for that. Why would they... Okay, Very promising. Not a coincidence. They, finish they shut down, about they shut down yeah, Vertigo. Yeah, they the shut down Vertigo. Because Vertigo was this creative, just hotbed of like people like them making their own unique yeah. properties, often, like more often than not, completely exempt from the mainline right. DC universe, right. or even, you know, just like their own thing. Um, the Black Label seems to be more darker, more adult, more creatively free stories, but set around these the DC universe and their iconic characters. Right. So it seems... So it's a sort of halfway point between Vertigo and the main line. Pretty much. It DC's seems like... I've read there... Jim Lee did a pitch about it um, to, to the news outlets. They're trying... It seems that basically like they're going, oh, well, you know, based on like the 80s, the, hist- the great history, these iconic stories like uh, The Killing Joke and all that stuff. And, um, right. Uh, whatever else there's all those titles like Dark Knight Returns yeah yep. all these titles these acclaimed titles that were basically that had the freedom to not work within the continuity of the DC universe yeah is basically what they're trying to replicate in their own form of, in this label interesting so, I'm like okay, we've, okay. we've got the list of black label um, titles that are coming out um, and because it's a lot more mature based more adult based yeah I'm looking at Superman year one so, Which I did not know was going to be on Black Label so until today. So I'm thinking, you know, the origins of how, you know, Superman becomes Superboy and then Superman. Yeah. Mr. Clark Kent. I'm thinking of like a lot, a more of adult version of I'm thinking Brightburn now. 
I'm thinking of Brightburn as well, yeah. kind of, but like more. Is Brightburn ha- any good? It's, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> um, I saw it for the concept alone. Um, anyway. But like, yeah, is it just, you know, Clark Kent learning how to use his powers and hurting people and then realizing, oh shit, this is really Like say stuff. rather than like, I feel like the the really mind. I'm an alien, I'm an actual alien from I, outer space. I feel like what they can do with this one, for example, with year one, now that I know it's on Black Label, they can kind of mine the consequ- the darker implications and consequences mm. rather than say the safe behind the safety net of like the regular DC universe yeah. of like oh it's Superman like Batman Damned for example is basically like this psychological case study on Batman if in he finally yeah in the supernatural yeah in the supernatural realm with the implications of like uh, the theory behind like the ending of of Killing Joke if he actually finally just let the Joker die. Mm. Right, like a world without the Joker, without that dichotomy to balance it out. Well, no, in in this book, in Damned, like he doesn't kill the Joker. The Joker's yeah. just found you dead. You haven't read all of it. No, I'm missing one. I'm missing You're missing some issue. pieces. I'm missing the yeah, last okay. issue. Um, if you're gonna, if, yeah. you should really finish it. It's good. But. So, but like with with Superman, you want again. I'm thinking a more mature version of Smallville. If anyone, yeah, watched Smallville back in the day, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> back in yeah the that's day. what I want to see a Smallville comic book. Done. That exists already. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> God, um, so I like I I guess I, I I get it, but so they're not in the DC continuity. It's not in the DC continuity, but some of them are taking stories out of the the continuity. Right, right, right. Like Batman Three Jokers came out of um oh a storyline that came out yeah, yeah two wait, years so ago. I heard about this. Can, can we just sorry sidebar? Yeah, like there have been three Jokers. Is so this a thing? I can't remember so what. There's story. an old theory. Mm. There's, it came out of a, a story that came out, I think, two years ago now, where Batman gets the um, he becomes who's the fucking guy on the chair, <laughs> the judge? Oracle. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Ned Leeds. Um, no, the cosmic guy. He's oh, like, uh, oh yeah, chair guy. Um, he yeah. can't fucking remember his name. Space space chairman. Yeah, he's, he's like he's like one of the gods right. of the DC universe. One of the new gods. Not dark yeah. side. Yeah, is it? like. Kind of. It's not, but he's one of his like compatriots. Yeah. So. Okay. Um. So, uh, Batman becomes the guy who sits on the chair and learns about the the truth of the universe. Right. Yeah. And then one of the first things he says was, "Oh shit, there were three jokers." Three jokers. Like how oh, did damn. like how did my parents die? Who killed my parents? And then there were three jokers. I'm like, okay, yeah. now that's. So it? now, so this is this is this now canon? Is this accepted? I, I think I think I so. Like they yeah, they've just kind of. So what are the breakpoints? Right, I don't need to know. <laughs> I think one of them was. I think really one of them cares. was what Caesar Romero's Joker in the '66 one, the mustache out. Oh, okay. I think, which okay. is just strange. Yeah, and that's why like there's a lot of innovations of Joker. How you know we don't know actually know what his yeah. background is. Hmm. Um, was he actually the Red Hood? Was he actually a comedian? Did he actually have a wife and child? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. stuff. That's why we're having Ace more chemicals. or less. But there were never three Jokers at the same time, right? Like there were, they, they were breaks. You don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Like we don't know if like every time Batman like beat up a Joker, it was the same dude. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, that, that's kind of relates to that Joker movie we're getting at. Getting at yes. the end of the year. Yeah. Um, don't you feel like Batman would pick up on that? He's only the greatest detective uh, in the right? universe. <laughs> Somehow these three jokers are exactly maybe it, the same. They look the same. They maybe felt it the trans- same. They have the same height. Human perceptions. They maybe dress the same. Level. It was Ooh. DC animated universe Joker. And yeah. Then, <laughs> <laughs> and then 
Heath Ledger Joker. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and now and now this Joker, which has nothing to do with anything right now, right. apparently. Yep. Bloody hell. Yep. Uh, anyway. Yes. Too many too many jokers. So many batteries. Yes. How many what um while we're looking at the list right now, there is they all pretty much seem to be so far on Batman. Right. Which there's I gotta say feels a bit lazy. <laughs> well, like the black label, they're going with this with what they're going for. They could for. have just called it the bat label. <laughs> the bat label. May as well. It's <laughs> DC give us money. The questions on there. Aline. It's oh, a, lot so of, far, a lot of the Joker and Harley Quinn stuff. It's Batman and the Joker so far, which is like they've got so many other characters they could <laughs> do this with. They got the freedom. They could do Wonder Woman. They mm. could do one on the Flash or whatever. They I could. think they're using like a lot of psychologically damaged characters. Yeah. Yeah, That's Batman the and the Joker. Yeah. The two, they the can, two most psychologically <laughs> damaged Like really, like you can make it like they, <laughs> the very reason according to Jim Lee why they've set this up to make these to try and replicate the success of their old like Iconic stories, like yeah, untethered by like the mainstream DC universe and all of its implications, and they're only sticking with the exact titles that they've actually had that success with. It's like, <laughs> okay, yeah. what? Yeah. Like, there's, there's... Right, so so in general, so you're saying Batman Damned is a good Batman book? Damned is great, worth reading. Yeah, it was a great read. Brian Azzarello, very good. Yep, um, there's it's... Batman Curse of the White Knight, which is a sequel to Batman and the White Knight. By yeah. um, Sean Murphy, but like what I, what I'm hearing from you, Tim, is that the whole black label shtick is not necessarily like a if they're great killing Vertigo for this, I'd like yeah, them to actually. I want them to to do something daring. Do yeah, like because like Batman, if they're gonna do this for the sole purpose so far of mainly like yeah. doing those more, you know, the more grittier Batman stories, what, they've already had know, that success. Like the thing about Vertigo is when it launched, it wasn't separate from the mainline DC universe. Nah. Swamp Thing was very Swamp much. Swamp Thing was in there. Swamp Thing was Sandman like. Sandman was, was yep. folded in. Constantine, Constantine was created for it. And the thing is with those characters, they were sort of sideline characters that nobody sort of really cared that much about, yeah. right? And and these amazing writers turned them into something yeah. greater than, that, than they were. Plus mm. This seems preacher. to be taking... Sorry, the black label seems to be taking the opposite approach. Like, yeah. let's take the biggest characters and the biggest character. stories in our, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like the ones that push the actual just, like yeah. the envelope for what you could right. do and show in a comic. Like, they've like the the like the legacy in comics for like the Killing Joke and Year One and Dark Knight Returns and all that. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, like they don't need to like. Safeguard it with I think they want to recreate that with all this. They do, but like, I'd love it if they do, like, do what the black label is supposed to apparently mean, like, be daring, like, mm. do it with all these other characters they've never done it before yeah. with. They've like, got a massive catalog of really interesting it's, characters. It's all Batman. Well, look, and, they all and they Joker. care about They've is got Batman, the Joker question. What are they going to do with the question? Apparently, a death of fixate. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, Bill. Sinkovich, I can do it. Sinkovich. That would be that would be good though. I'm excited for yeah. that. Just because of his, his artwork. Amelia, got any opinions on this? Well, I mean, you know, I only read a few pages of Damned Underwayne, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you, Tim. Um, I think though they could just be trying to explore it first, like understand what they can do, see where it goes, see where it goes. Although it seems like an awful lot of exploration, but. <laughs> you know, I choose to remain hopeful. Like a lot and of these are like what three issues to nine issue books. Mm. Yeah, that's not a small amount of yeah titles, really. 
I mean, yeah, the initial ones seem to be on the short side for sure. But um, I mean, look, I'm I'm interested in in a Superman year one. That sounds yeah. fine. You know, a Frank Miller. I'm, I'm all J.R. Junior. Yeah. You know, yep. Good art, good story. Yeah, yeah completely yeah. behind that. Um, you know, it is a shame that's like the only non-Batman we'll get for like six <laughs> for months. While. But you know, <laughs> um, it'll do. <laughs> Like, there's yeah. one called The Other History of the DC Universe. That's very ambiguous. Thing. Yeah. It's super ambiguous, isn't it? Well, hey, uh, you know, we are, we are discounting if that. If Batman doesn't turn up in that, then I'd be... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's still going to be... Batman is the last member of the Justice League. Some part of that is... <laughs> yeah. Damn. It's just... Uh, what, what would you think if... if um, so, Marvel did Marvel... What was it? Marvel Ultimate for a little while. Ultimates. Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah. like the whole ultimate line was an entirely new universe. Yeah. So DC kind of did it with fifty new fifty two, but mm. didn't really. Like, yeah. Sort of yeah like, from what I from what I hear, they, they shut the bed the, that one really badly. Yeah. What would you think if they just started fresh with a whole new universe in the DC? With a bit grittier, a bit ultimate more style. Yeah. Without the sensational, um, yeah, sensationalized like. Aspect of like and just sort of re- resetting the timeline and, and that could work. Yeah, I think you know. Yeah, but then we're gonna get another like, like battle of another another. I feel like you give it ten years. You give it ten years. It's gonna be as bloated as yeah, what, how the Ultimate Universe became. The Ultimate pretty much. Universe did. And they they shut yeah. it down for that. They'll reason, just replicate basically. the same story, similar stories. The same problem. Mm. Yeah. yeah, like that's comics. That's main, that's long form comics. You can't you can't not yeah. have that baggage. You yeah. can read individual arcs, sure. But but I think like that's what, what this is. What what line. made yeah. what made the Ultimate line such a success was that it was a good launching off point for people oh, who yeah. were getting back into comics after you know several years away. The nineties, or, or or even getting into them for the first time. Yeah. Um. So I, this is how I feel about the DC universe, to be honest. Like, I don't really know where to get started. Um, mm. And so this is why I've steered away from mm. reading DC books. That's Maybe that's what drew me to Vertigo, though. Yeah, exactly. Because that's pretty much... Yeah, starting they're, point. They're giant. They're, they're self-contained, uh, self-contained stories. Like, the yeah. longest I could think of you don't is need, Fables, which is like 150 right. issues or something. You don't need to know... Um, Anything. You know, yeah. several decades of history. Yeah, about these characters and, and who yeah. their relationships are and, and all that stuff. It's not that old. They don't like it's like a lot of them are part of the, you know the universe, but they actually manage to make these adult, dark, gritty kind of supernatural, usually or horror based stories. Yeah, that were part of the same universe, but didn't allow itself to get bogged down with all the other needless crap that yeah. was happening in say like the Justice League or anything like that. Totally. So they could replicate that. Yeah. Who knows. Hmm, what do you think pushed them to do this anyway, in particular? Probably that exact drive to... Well, when's, what story would you... Go, like, what specific story arc or, like, self-contained DC story would you say in recent years, the last 20 years, for example, would be on par from, like, the amazing stuff that they were in the 80s? No. <laughs> oh, I'm, like, Ow. Grant and Morrison, basically anything. The multiverse. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Like yeah. continuity right now, I've I've stopped reading comics for a little bit just because the main story's gone really, really weird in the main books. Like it's up to the point where you've got uh, the the dark multiverse with a Batman that became the Joker. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, those, those, Dooms, those, Doomsday Clock and all that Doomsday stuff. Clock. Yeah. Oh. Which did... Um, then the whole Justice League decided to break the source wall. Yeah. Um, so a lot of weird stuff have come out of that. Mm. Um, I'm like, this... They're versing titans of the universe now. I'm like, well, I don't get this anymore. I feel like maybe yeah. we're just in this nostalgic period. Like, there's... Mm. You can kind of read it really deeply, which I'm about to do. Um, the whole 80s nostalgia thing that's happening a lot lately, like shows like Stranger Things and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, Chernobyl to Which an good callback because Stranger Things features a lot yep. of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, it does. Just <laughs> one, giant, one giant crossover bit. But yeah, yeah. Like, that, could, <laughs> that could be applying to, you know, that golden age in comics, the really dark adult, like these adventurous kind of like stories that really push the boundaries. That this could just be them wanting to revisit it. Like there's all the sh- there's a swamp thing right. show rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, there's. I know you're upset, man. I'm still pissed. There's um you know like the Marvel Netflix shows that just came out. Yeah, mm-hmm. all these others. You know, I think the Marvel's Netflix show that just came out. You know, just came out. It just got cancelled. Just got cancelled. It's a yeah. good theory. I, yeah. I back that theory. That it's definitely. There's the Watchmen show for HBO. Right. Oh, right. that's that too. That still isn't out yet. Yeah. 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 So I feel like the '80s is just never going to go away. No. <laughs> Haven't we moved on to We're the, getting to that weird point re- where everyone wants to revisit it. I shouldn't think. we be revisiting the 90s by now? Like, I feel like. At some point. Maybe yeah. in the next I don't know. five years. Mm. I think there are a couple of people yeah. who are doing that. But so, yeah, I think that as, could just be them trying to revisit it. Yeah, it won't it be as impactful for us that it would be for the next generation. Yeah. Because yeah. that exactly. would be like, I don't know, a new season of whatever. There's the Dreaming, out. actually. There's the Dreaming um, series. There's four separate books, like. Um, uh, in the Sandman universe. Oh yeah, yeah is that, is that? Oh okay. I don't know if that's DC or Vertigo. I think it's DC because it's still going to be DC. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But you know, <laughs> if it was Vertigo, it's not anymore. Yeah. It might have been like uh, the last few uh, like bits and pieces of Vertigo. Yeah. Hey, um, I think that wraps up for today, guys. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Emil, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Emil. Yeah, um, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully, you come back sometime. Yes. Yeah. Um. But guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, remember, you can always find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, iTunes, and uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. Yep. We will see you guys soon. Thanks. Thanks. See you. Bye.